John chapter 4, verses 27 through 42. John chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 27. But before I read, let me remind you where we are. Jesus and his disciples are traveling back from Judea to Galilee in the north, and they had to go through a country, uh, a region on the way back, and that was Samaria. Now, the Samaritans and the Jews uh, had a long-standing feud and disagreements uh, and had different places of worship and uh, generally did not get along uh, with one another. But as they were uh, on their way, Jesus talked to a woman of Samaria at Jacob's well. And while he began by asking her for water, he invited her to ask him for living water, for uh, a spiritual water, eternal life by the Holy Spirit, the spirit that would well up unto eternal life, living water that would come from Jesus, that would never run dry. And Jesus exposed her sin and shame, the things that she had done, her life, but he did not uh, leave He stayed with her, and he instructed her in true worship, uh, worship according to to God's instructions, and particularly that there was a coming age in which people would be called to worship in every place, in spirit and in truth. And at the end of their conversation, uh, he revealed himself to be the prophet, now the prophet like Moses, the Messiah, the Christ Well, at that point, we'll pick up in verse 27 as the disciples come back to Jesus because they had gone into town to buy bread. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come. See a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me that all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. 
Let us pray for his blessing upon his word. Lord God, we thank you for the gospel of your son. We pray that you would instruct us and enlighten us by your spirit to understand the things freely given here in your scripture. We pray that you would uh, inspire us to uh, share the gospel and to rejoice in this news of salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, the disciples return to Jesus, and just as he taught the woman of Samaria using the idea of water, so he teaches the disciples using the image of food. Um, But he's not literally talking about food. He's talking about something that he uh, desires like you desire food and delights in like you desire food. And what is it that he desires and delights in and wants and hungers and thirsts after? It's the will of the one who sent him, uh, the work that he was sent to accomplish. And so he is uh, excited about this work. And um, he was a man, he needed food, but he does not live by bread alone, but by every word proceeds from the mouth of God. He uh, was wanting to waste no time uh, to do the work. And the work in particular was to save the world. He's the savior of the world. That's what the Samaritans realize and and understand by the end of this. And and part of that work meant uh, preaching the gospel, meant uh, presenting himself as that savior so that people would be saved. But it's not just for Jesus. It's also for his church to enter into this labor. And we find that the Samaritan woman herself, though she had just met him and had been talking to him, she begins to spread the word as well as an example to us. First, in verse 27, the disciples return. Uh, They marvel that he was talking with a woman. And then the woman leaves in such eagerness that she leaves behind her water jar, you know, that she had brought, you know, that Jesus had asked her to use to give him water. She leaves the jar there. She goes back to the village. She tells the people to come and see this man. Can this be the Christ? And then the disciples, in the meantime, urge Jesus to eat. Um, Jesus uses the opportunity to teach them the importance of the work of gathering the spiritual harvest. And then many Samaritans come from the town. Uh, They believed in him because of the woman's testimony and asked him to stay. More than believed because of what Jesus himself said as he stayed with them for two days and taught them. And so they understood from his words that he was the savior of the world. Not just the Savior of the Jews, but the Savior of all peoples, and even for them. It was an unusual thing for a Samaritan town to eagerly ask this Jewish rabbi to stay among them and teach them. Uh, But this was no ordinary teacher. Uh, This was, could it be? Yes, it was, the Christ. And so the the main point here is that Jesus is the Savior of the world, and so we should spread the word even as we find them doing in this passage. First, like the Samaritan woman, invites others to come and investigate Jesus. Uh, See her example uh, here at the beginning of our passage. Uh, She spread the word immediately. Uh, She did not become a teacher. There's different qualifications for becoming a teacher of the word. Uh, First of all, it's men that are ordained to office of teaching. And then even for men, it's not people who had just become a Christian that day uh, that become teachers. 
But what she does do is something that every believer is called to do and can do, and that's to tell others of Jesus and invite them to learn more and to come to him and to see whether this be the Christ. Not everyone is called to be a teacher of the word, but every believer is called to invite other people to come to Jesus. As uh, Isaiah 2 portrays, you know, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us learn his ways, that we might walk in his paths. Uh, That is the example for the whole church, to be inviting others to come to listen to Jesus. She testified about him. She witnessed to Jesus. This is why I think that he is the Messiah. Uh, One sign is that he told me all that I did. Uh, Even as Jesus had told Nathaniel that I saw you sitting under the fig tree. Uh, But probably more significantly, that uh, he knew her sins, he knew her background, things that she might have tried to hide, and yet he uh, knew these things and told her. Likewise, you should testify to what Jesus has done. Testify to why he is the Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul did. He would reason from Scripture why this is Jesus is the Christ. Uh, so we should give a reason for the hope that is within you. Uh, be ready to give an answer to those uh, who wonder. Uh, especially give the reasons that have convinced you to have hope in Jesus. Why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you love him? Tell other people that they might come and see themselves. She provoked curiosity about him. She asked them, can this be the Christ? She left them with a question. Don't you want to see? She provoked their curiosity so that they themselves would seek him out. So it's a good example for us as well to try to provoke the curiosity of those who do not yet believe. That there's something worth investigating here. There's something worth studying here. Don't just think that you know it already, that there is uh, something here for you to learn and understand. There's reason to believe and uh, come and see. Our efforts to evangelize should especially focus on Jesus. What do you think of Jesus? Whose son is he? Uh, who, Who is he? What is he here to do? What did he do? That's even a good question for people today, because people will know of Jesus. At least they'll know the name. They know people talk about him. They might not have a definite idea, or they might have a mistaken idea. But we should provoke curiosity. Don't you want to learn more? Uh, Have you casually neglected this Jesus? And you should probably figure out whether he is the Lord or whether he is a legend. Uh, You should uh, study this scripture. And so she invited her neighbors to come and investigate him. Come, see this man who told me everything that I did. This is much like the way Philip, uh, the apostle, met Nathaniel's skepticism. When Nathaniel was skeptical, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Is, can anything come out of Nazareth that is good? Uh, what did Philip say? Well, you know, statistically speaking, there are some good people that come out of Nazareth. Oh, he said, come and see. He said, come and see yourself, uh, whether this is uh, someone who is good or not. You do not need all the answers to share the gospel. You do not have to be able to answer every objection. You should be ready to give a reason for the hope within you. But your goal is to invite them to Jesus, 
uh, to invite them to come and see, to point them to Jesus and his word. And that is what the Samaritan woman does and demonstrates uh, an eagerness and a eagerness so strong that she even forgot about getting the water, which was the whole reason why she had gone out to the well. She had found living water and it was good and it was better than the water even from Jacob's well. And so she had grown to understand uh, that this was no ordinary man. This was the Christ. So invite others to come and investigate Jesus, uh, to, to learn of him and to uh, believe that he is the Christ. Of course, compared to the Samaritans, a lot of people today will need some instruction about what it means to be the Christ. Uh, don't always have the same messianic expectations that have been built up even among the Samaritans with the remnants of biblical truth that they did have. But that is, that's our work uh, to explain, uh, to, to provoke. Secondly, we should see like the disciples that the fields are white unto harvest and to be ready to labor in them. And to pray for that laborers would be sent out. See Jesus' words to the disciples in verses uh, 31 through 38. He explains his own work, what, what his food is, and then also invites them to join him in his work. The disciples marveled that Jesus was talking with a woman. I find it a little interesting. It doesn't say they marveled to find that Jesus was talking with a Samaritan. Um, both of those would probably be unusual to see him talking to a Samaritan or a woman, and especially a Samaritan woman, but it's a woman. That's particularly odd. Why is he talking to this woman? No one actually says anything. They don't ask any questions out loud. They understand, well, he must have a good reason. But they do marvel to see that he was talking with a woman. Uh, one commentator I was reading was quoted a Jewish rabbi from the second century that was saying, don't prolong a conversation with a woman. And the commentator on it uh, from some other time after that was saying, that's even true with your wife, and how much more with some, another man's wife? You don't want to talk too much to women. Well, that's definitely not Jesus's attitude. He thought it was worthwhile to talk to a woman, that he came to save both women and men, and he was the savior of the world. And so women as well as men were worthy of engaging in conversation, not worthy like they merited it, but worthy in the sense that it was worthwhile, that they needed this salvation. Both need the gospel, both need instruction in the truth, both are to be disciples of Jesus, baptized into his name. So we call both men and women. Now, they didn't understand Jesus' comment about the food initially. At first, they're like, did, did anyone bring him some extra food? Where did this food come from that he's talking about? But that was Jesus' whole point of describing his desire in terms of food was to provoke their curiosity. What's he talking about? Well, he was saying that his food was to do the work of the one who sent him. Who sent him? The Father sent him. And what was the mission he was given? We already saw in chapter 3, was to, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And he was about his father's business to accomplish this messianic task. That's what he hungered and thirsted for. That's what he delighted in. 
And so he would do so. And was so eager about it, it means that occasionally he could skip a meal. He was so excited about it, ready to do that work. Jesus taught his disciples to hunger and thirst after the will of God, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, He had a particular calling to be savior of the world. You don't have a calling to be the savior of the world, but you have a calling in which you serve the Lord and seek to do the will of the one who was sent you into the world to do his work, to reach out with the gospel to the lost, as the Samaritan woman did, as every believer is called to do, to look out for uh, male and female, Jew and Samaritan, Now, Jesus invited the disciples to join in the labor of harvesting fruit for eternal life. Just as he called them to be fishers of men, so he also calls them to be harvesters of men, of people, uh, to evangelize them, to share the gospel with them. Now, this is a mission for the whole church. It's especially for the apostles. I mean, they're was to would devote their lives to proclaiming the gospel. Uh, some of them were to even write it down and write down the gospels, uh, like John was doing so here. But the church works as a team. Everyone does their part. Uh, some preach it. Some uh, have conversations over coffee. Some uh, do this way. Some do that way. Not all baptize, not all do this, but we are a body. And the mission of the whole body is to harvest, is to share the gospel, is to disciple the nations. And so we each have our part to play in accordance with our place in life. Both young and old, all of us have a place to make Jesus known and to save the lost. And the time of harvest had come. The fields were white for harvest. Think of the wheat as it's growing up. At first it's green, right? And then it gets a little bigger. And then it starts to turn brown. Uh, But as it's approaching harvest, the tops of the grain would start to look white. And when it was ready, it was time to harvest it. You need to get it in. Harvest time can be an urgent time. It's a time for diligence. Time to gather it all in. No more time for waiting. It's time for harvesting. Proverbs says, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. And you have to make hay while the sun shines, as a proverb of ours says. Uh, It's time for the harvest, Jesus says. It's time to save the lost. The time of the new covenant is especially the time of harvest as the gospel goes out into the whole world. Now is the day of salvation, and now is the day to be saved and to come to Christ. As he had told the woman, the Father is seeking true worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth, in every place, in every nation, in every continent. Living water unto eternal life is being offered. Now, usually there's a delay between the sowing of the seeds and the reaping of the harvest. He mentions a saying of their own, four months and then the harvest. Uh, perhaps that was a saying that would be like, sometimes you have to wait before things happen. Uh, or maybe it was the reverse of hurry up and wait, a uh, phrase that we have. It's wait and then hurry up. <laughs> Four weeks and then the harvest. Well, he says, but now people are sowing and reaping at the same time. They're catching up with one another. It's the harvest time now. It's a time for both sowing and reaping, although the sowing's already been going on. 
The gospel's being preached. Sinners are coming to salvation. There's no time to be lost. Jesus' words about sowing and reaping allude to Amos 9, which I read earlier. There the prophecy would be that the fallen booth of David would be raised up. Of course, that's referring to Jesus, the heir of David, and how the nations would be possessed by him. And then it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman should overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. It's an image of this gospel prosperity, of the harvest of salvation unto eternal life, of bringing people to know Jesus and to repent and believe in him. Jesus' words also, where he says, Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Right before that, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Uh, What does that remind you of? kind of reminds me of what the Israelites were told when they came into the promised land. And what did they get? They got trees that they didn't plant. They got vineyards they didn't plant. And Joshua 24, you you eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Uh, they, uh, their work was already done. They needed to go in and harvest it, we might say. Go in and possess the land. Well, Jesus is saying, now it's the conquest of the world, but not a conquest by the sword, not by chasing out the Canaanites. It's a conquest by preaching the gospel and by discipling the nations. Though the work is, uh, groundwork is set, Jesus, of course, is the one who saves. The scripture is been laid out the apostles of old had laid uh, had already labored for this and now you need to go out and harvest the fields are wide unto harvest it's time to save so we continue the ministry not only of the old covenant prophets but also that of jesus he brings people to salvation through the work of his disciples through the work of his church he went to samaria and people were saved and then later on philip and the apostle peter and john go to samaria too and people are saved. Now, finally, we find that Samaritans came to Jesus. And like the Samaritans, we should receive instruction from Christ, and we should also bring others to receive instruction about Christ. There it says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. The Samaritans invited Jesus to stay so that they could receive more instruction from him. That's what the Samaritan woman had invited them to do. She wanted them to come and to see and to learn. Evangelism will involve instruction. Not all of that instruction can necessarily be given in one conversation. It's an invitation to, uh, to learn, uh, to study, to understand the gospel, and to hear Jesus in the preaching and teaching of his word. The lost must be taught by Jesus. Now, we have his message in scripture. Jesus isn't walking around on earth, but he left behind his message and he preaches through it. We can do Bible study, as uh, Philip did a Bible study with the Ethiopian eunuch, explaining how this spoke of Jesus. We can do preaching, 
as we preach even now, invite people to the preaching of the word. There's lessons and instruction and conversation as we can make known the ways of God. And in particular, this evangelistic instruction directs to this point. What is it key that they understood? That Jesus is the Savior of the world. That salvation is to be found in him for all people. For all people, this is the way to be saved, is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That you might not be condemned for your sins, but uh, forgiven and have eternal life. We ought to be disciples of Jesus, each one of us, to be learning from him but then invite others as well to learn with us, to understand, to uh, be instructed in his word. So Jesus is the savior of the world. The Samaritans understood this. This is uh, the truth. This is his food and drink. This is his great desire is to see the lost saved. And this is work that he continues to do through his church. So let's spread the word. Let's tell others about Jesus. Let us invite them to come and see. Could this be the Christ? Yes, he is the Christ. He is the Savior. It is harvest time. So let's not be the slothful son that sleeps in harvest time, uh, but be like the one who is prudent, who gathers in summer. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your Uh, message of encouragement uh, that you have sent your son to be the savior of the world that you have showed this love for sinners uh, to offer him freely that all who would believe in him would have eternal life we are grateful ourselves for this message uh, that we have this hope in him we pray that you would stir us with love and compassion as well as zeal for his glory that we might uh, find ways to bring others to him Uh, to share the message of salvation. We pray that in everything that we do, that we would do your will with eagerness and delight, uh, fulfilling our callings and uh, honoring you in them, and that through our word and deed, uh, that you would be made known, and particularly the message of salvation for the blessing of the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.